As we begin today, I want to share with you a uh, sign I saw that said, Only Donald Trump and God can save our country. You know what? There are a lot of people that were thinking that, and they think our country's just gone down the chute now. And the thing is, think about this. God is the only one who can save our country. There is no one person that we can put our hope and our trust in. It is only in God that we hope and we trust. God can use Donald Trump. God can use Joe Biden. Just He can use all sorts of people. Uh, look in the Bible at the different sorts of people he uses. He even uses donkeys to speak to prophets. So don't let the fact, no matter how the race comes out, and we still don't know how it's going to come out yet, our trust isn't in who's occupying the White House. Our trust is in God. And God is the one who puts people in places of authority. And sometimes that's hard to accept, but that's what happens. And so we just have to trust, no matter how this turns out, that the things are going to be okay, uh, that there's going to go God's way, no matter which way. And we need to make sure we're on God's side. But there are a lot of people that are just panicking right now. And if you noticed how when people panic, they do stupid things? I mean, have you ever, I was just thinking about this and I thought of the, the, my cousin Gary that I mentioned earlier. He's my first cousin. He's a year younger than me. We grew up together. Uh, we, I was about 10 and he was about 9. We really felt like the Lord was calling us into ministry. And we went down to the front in our little church and uh, told the preacher at the close of an evening service. And he didn't really know what to do with us. So he just said, yeah, these two boys think they want to be preachers. And so after church, everybody came up and shook our hands. And, and Gary went straight on, straight as an arrow, went through high school to uh, a Methodist uh uh, under uh, a two-year college and then on and seminary, got his degree, just blip, blip, blip. I found other things that distracted me from God after I got to be around 12, and I started going in different directions, and I wandered for quite a few years. And so, But Gary, like I to say, we were on our way to Conroe, Texas from Cleveland one day, and as we were driving along, I was in my 53 Plymouth whenever this happened, I believe. I may have, no, I think I was in my 51 Cadillac, the first car I ever had, my 51, old green 51 Cadillac. You, you poke the rear uh, reflector and the back uh, uh, taillight popped up so you could get to the gas cap. Anyway, it was an old car. Anyway, we were driving along there and I was thinking, I wonder what I would do if all of a sudden a car or a truck just came right at me. You know, which should I go to the right? Should I go to the left? I wonder which I should do, you know. And I was thinking like that, and there was an old Buick, about a 51 or 52 Buick that was up ahead of us, and he was going slow, and we got a, strill, a, a clear straight stretch, and I thought, I'm going to get on around this guy. As I started around and got right beside him, he started speeding up and wouldn't let me pull back over. 
And it turns out that there was a dip in this straightaway that I was looking at. And in the midst, all of a sudden, what we experienced was an 18-wheeler just rising up out of the road real close to us, coming straight at us. We're in the passing side, you know. So it's coming toward me. We had, I had either the ditch or I had the Buick. I had my choice. You know, that was it right then. And Gary was sitting over there in the passenger seat. What could he do? I mean, he couldn't drive the car. He couldn't, no matter how hard he pressed on the floorboard, the car wouldn't go any faster. And uh, there was nothing that he could do. So you know what he did? All the, I, I, it's, it's so weird. I had so much stuff going on. I mean, around me, like, which way do I go? Which way do I go? And all this sort of stuff. And Gary, I could still see him while I was looking all these other places. And he just had gone crazy. It's like he was trying to crawl, claw through the top of the car. I mean, he could do nothing else. And so that's, that was his option was just to think that he could claw through the car and crawl out of it, I guess. I don't know what he was thinking. But thank goodness, I think the Buick slowed down. Or however, we, I was able to get in front of the other car and we went on. But that always struck stuck with me, the fact that Gary couldn't do anything that was really going to make any difference, but he felt like he had to do something. And so in his panic, he just clawed at the headliner. Now, that's one of those things that just in, there are people in panic right now. And they're in panic because they're just concerned about our world. But let me tell you, if you're one of those that's worried or in panic, this isn't the first time that people have wound up in a spot like this. I remember uh, reading Habakkuk. And uh, in Habakkuk, it seemed like everything was wrong. I mean, people were cheating people right and left. I mean, the government was messed up. Everything was wrong and enemies were on the uh, horizon and it was just so scary. And so what did he do? He prayed. Later on, there was a guy named Isaiah and good King Uzziah died and there wasn't anything he could do. The king that was coming after Uzziah was a bad guy. He was a gangster and he was getting ready to be the king. And, uh, and Isaiah was just so overwrought that he went to the temple and guess what he did? He prayed. And as he prayed, all of a sudden, this is where he said, I saw the Lord high and lifted up and his train filled the temple. And there was a heavenly host accompanying him angels worshiping him. And the Lord used that moment to remind Isaiah who was really on the throne. And not only that, he let Isaiah know his plans and he let Isaiah know he had a part in those plans. And so, and, and the same with Habakkuk. When Habakkuk went and he prayed, the Lord told him, you're not going to believe what I'm going to do. And then he gave Habakkuk a message. Well, in the midst of all of this stuff, pray and listen. 
Both of them were willing to listen to the Lord and put their trust in him. They had questions. They were concerned. They were worried, but they looked in the right direction. Now, there are a lot of people right now who love God, who believe in God, but they're having a hard time trusting him right now because they feel so uneasy about the future and they just don't think things are going the way that God wants them to go. They're worried about the tension in our country. Uh, They uh, wonder if we're ever going to effectively navigate through all this racial tension that is so strong. They wonder how in the world we can ever get over this bitter political division that is very, very real. They wonder how is this horrible election stuff ever going to be behind us? And they can get caught up in the what ifs. What if I lose my job? What if I get sick? What if I have to homeschool for the rest of my life? You know, uh, uh, a lot of people right now are saying in one way or another, Lord, I want to trust you, but it's hard when I can't see you. I can see the COVID craziness everywhere. I can see when my bank account dips. I can see all the tension every time I watch the news. God, I want to trust you, but it's hard to trust you when I can't see you. Other people are saying at the same time, how can I trust God? There was a time when I did trust in God, but he didn't do what I told him to do. I prayed. I had faith. I believed and I trusted in him. And uh, he could have done something, but he didn't do the right thing. I really want to trust God, but sometimes it's just not easy. Well, because so many people are struggling with this, I want to spend this Sunday and next Sunday addressing this very important question. Can you trust God? And uh, the title of our uh, sermon today is, Do You Trust Him? Are you trusting him today in the midst of all this stuff? Or have you gotten caught up in the what ifs and the and the worries and all of it all? Because you see, to the well, to answer the question, can you trust God? I believe the answer is absolutely, unequivocally, yes, you can. But we're going to need his word and his spirit to help us to do so. And so let's pray as we dive into this at this time. Let's bow our heads for a moment of prayer. Lord God, we pray that your living word and the power of your Holy Spirit will do for us today what we cannot do for ourselves. Lord, we ask that you build our faith to put our trust in you, even if we don't see you, even if we don't feel you. Help us to trust you, to trust your goodness, to trust your character, to trust your nature. We pray this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Well, Jesus in our passage today was by Lake Gennesaret and he was teaching. And he saw, it got so crowded, he saw a couple of boats 
the fishermen cleaning their nets. And so he borrowed Peter's boat, basically. He got into the boat uh, belonging to Simon Peter. And it says, when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. As just abrasive as Peter could be sometimes, and as abrupt as he could be sometimes, he used great constraint in responding to Jesus right now, didn't he? I mean, they, he says, they worked hard all night, and he knew how to fish. Jesus knew how to preach. I'm sure he was thinking, why don't you leave the fishing to us fishermen and we'll leave the preacher preaching to the you preacher man. You know, I imagine he was thinking something like that. He was probably thinking something like what he was thinking was what you're asking me to do just sounds so stupid right now. That's probably what he was thinking, but he worded it so well. Master, we worked hard all night and we haven't caught anything. Well, some of us, even in the best of times, have trouble with some of the things that the Lord has told us to do. Don't worry about tomorrow. We heard this earlier today in, the, in what, what Clara was sharing with us. And we're thinking, haven't you seen the division in a nation? We hear, bless those who persecute you. And we're thinking, yeah, but these are in the category like Sodom and Gomorrah. You know, you need to be raining down fire and brimstone on these people, God. And you want me to bless those who are persecuting me? He says, do not lean to your own understanding. And you're thinking, well, if I don't, the bills aren't going to get paid. But at the same time, we want to trust you, God. There's this tension that we can wind up with. Oh, God, I want to trust you, but I can't see you. I can't hear your voice. I don't see the results that I was really hoping to see. In the midst of all this, this trial of faith that many people are going through, this is our prayer for this week. Lord, help me to obey you even when I do not understand. I encourage you to pray that prayer all week this week. You see this prayer lived out when Simon let down his nets. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. Nevertheless, because you say so, I will let down the nets. It doesn't seem right. It seems kind of dumb. Nevertheless, because you say so, Lord, I'm going to do it. He let down his net. He said he was going to do it, and then he did it. Let's say this together. Let down your net. Let down your net. You see, there comes a time when you have to act in faith, even whenever it looks dumb or it looks like just the wrong thing to do. You have to let down your net and do what the Lord told you to do, no matter how hopeless or futile it looks in doing so. Lord, it doesn't make any sense to me, but because you say so, I'm going to do it. You see, 
you don't have to understand completely in order to obey immediately. I hope you grasp that. Some people, they'll analyze and they'll try to take things apart and put them back together and they'll just pick the Bible all to pieces whenever it's crystal clear what he said. He said, don't worry about tomorrow. That's what it says. You can put all the ifs, ands, buts, and things on it, but that's what it says. Don't worry about it because today's got enough trouble of its own and you need to be facing what's in front of you right now with me. So that's uh, okay. You don't have to understand completely to obey immediately. And let me tell you, Sharon and I were talking about this last week. Small acts of obedience make all the difference in the world. You know, some people miss God's will for their lives completely by looking for the big thing instead of being faithful in the small things. I'll give you an example. Earlier today in this church, just right before it started, Isaiah was outside and he was hopping and skipping around and doing something. I wasn't watching him. Jack was watching him, but uh, I don't know what he was doing, but he fell and he really hurt his knee terribly. And he couldn't even hardly get up and he was just crying. And I was encouraging him to get up and walk it off. And then this lady comes walking up, Bobby Hintz, and she had a coal pack and she put it on Isaiah's knee. Now, that's a small act. And that small act is going to have ripple effects through all eternity. Because what Bobby did right then ministered to Isaiah. Isaiah's never going to forget that moment. Other people were watching as that happened. And you know, this happens in this church all the time. You do things and you don't realize other people are watching. You don't realize the ripple effect on your life through all eternity, just through small acts of kindness. When the church I grew up in, there were people that I looked up to that probably didn't even know who I was, but they were the leaders in the church and I would see them in church. And then I would see them in their place of business and the way they acted showed me what a Christian was supposed to be like. And this, the little wheels were turning in this little head. The video was going. One guy in particular, Dick Peebles, he uh, worked at a hardware store. He uh, was my Sunday school teacher and he taught the word and uh, he taught us the Bible and uh, whatever was of God Dick, his whole life, he wanted it. He was an impulsive sort of a guy. I mean, he was, he was almost, he, he would just, just get on and do stuff so quickly. I went down at the, uh, uh, at the hardware store. He'd answer the phone. He'd uh, hear something. Somebody needed an order. He'd, uh, he'd stick the phone in his pocket and take off. And the thing is, we didn't have cordless phones back then. <laughs> They were attached to the wall. So a lot of people got to see uh, Dick stopped abruptly by the phone in his pocket. I guess he was just foreseeing what was coming in the future. But uh, anyway, but Dick, through his whole life, whatever God had, that's what God wanted. I mean, whatever God wanted, that's what Dick wanted. And that kind of stuck with me. And there's so many people 
of faith that made a difference in my life back then that anyway, you can see and you can think in your own lives there are those people that maybe they couldn't even call you by name, but they made a difference in your life because of their conduct. Like we were talking last week, they were those that let the light shine through. Well, this is a time in this time of darkness, people, when as your lights shine, they're going to shine brightly. Don't ever think you're just an insignificant little thing that makes no difference in this world. You are making ripples that are going out and affecting lives to children and grandchildren. They may not, the grandchildren may never know your, your name, but you will have affected their lives for the good because you are faithful in the little things right here and now. So anyway, you don't have to understand small acts, small acts. And so many people, they just look around for the big thing to do for God. I'll give you a great example. It's in the Bible. Look at Saul. I'm talking about Paul, Saul of Tarsus. He decided what he needed to do was do for God was persecute Christians, remember? The big thing he decided to do caused so much pain and death and destruction in the world. And so let me warn you, don't decide what you're going to do to go do for God. Listen to him and obey in the things that he tells you to do for him. Uh, somebody said a long time ago, you may be the only Bible someone reads. People see you, they know you, they go to you, they know that you go to church and they know you're a Christian. They may not ever darken the door of this church, but you are making a difference in their lives. Uh, I've already told you about uh, Mr. Peoples. When uh, there's so many others I could tell you about, but I'm not going to take time for it. But I remember one small thing I was talking again, we shared about this this past week. We were driving along on our way somewhere and uh, we ran across this couple stranded on the side of the road and so we pulled over and uh, offered them so what we could do to help and they were with a radio ministry that was going to establish a radio a Christian radio station in Puerto Rico San Juan Puerto Rico and uh, there was a there were people waiting to get this this uh, equipment that they had in this little trailer to the uh, to to the they had to try to get it get it in the get it shipped, and there's a just a, they had this all worked out, but if they didn't get there in time, it was all off, and then they had to catch a plane and get on over there, and so what we wound up doing was we gave them a lift to the next town where a friend was met us and uh, and took them on to the airport, and somebody else was coming and getting the. Uh, the trailer and getting it on to get it shipped and and everything apparently came about the way that it was supposed to. Just a small insignificant thing. We just gave some a young couple a lift. Fast forward about six years, and Sharon and I, when we were P O R E poor, were blessed with a, a Caribbean cruise. And as we were riding. Or when we're on the airplane, I wound up sitting by a gentleman, and uh, he didn't speak much. This is from Houston to San Juan, and he just sat there, and you could tell. Uh, all of a sudden, he just went, <sighs> and I knew something was he was having a rough time. 
And uh, he spoke Spanish to this lady. And so uh, he wasn't speaking to me otherwise. So I spoke to him in Spanish and asked him if everything was okay. And he uh, took another deep breath and he said, you know, I normally just don't talk to anybody on the airplane, but uh, I just feel like I can talk to you. And we got to talking. This guy's name was Gilberto Monroig. That's M-O-N-R-O-I-G. Look him up whenever you get back home, because it turns out he was like the Frank Sinatra of Latin music. I mean, he was incredibly, there's a, they renamed, when he died in 1996 in San Juan, they renamed the uh, uh, Avenida de uh, Puerto Rico to Avenida de Gilberto Monroic. So if you go to San Juan, you'll see his name going east to west through San Juan. But anyway, I didn't know him from Adam. He sure didn't know me from Adam. But he had just been through a horrendous time. Uh, he had, uh, and he shared his life with me. He uh, had uh, been very successful. He wound up being uh, an alcoholic. He nearly tanked in his career. And then he'd made a comeback. And he, and now then he was, uh, he'd been over doing a gig in uh, Houston and the producer reneged on him on some things. And it was a nightmare trying to get back home with things that were supposed to be arranged, weren't arranged, and he uh, had trusted in people that he shouldn't trust in. And so he was. He said, you know, I, I know it's going to be okay. And I, I mentioned to him that I was a minister, and he just kind of, oh, amazing, you know. And it turns out in his recovery, he had met the Lord, and he was a Christian, he hadn't been earlier, first time through, uh, on the way up, he hadn't been a Christian. But his second time, he was walking with the Lord. And he said, the Lord has just put a man of God here with me to let me know that everything's going to be okay. Thank you, Jesus. And he just thanked the Lord right there in front of me for just having me sit by him and let, me know, let him know who I was. And so we shared about his faith. And he said, you know, I have to be kind of private because and have to have guards and stuff a lot of times, you know. But and so I live in this compound, so I don't get to uh, go to church and things like that. But there's this Christian radio station out of San Juan that has helped me more than anything else. The preaching and the teaching that I get from this radio station. I said, well, right. anyway, it was the radio station that we, if we hadn't gotten those young people where they were supposed to get in that time, Gilberto would not have had uh, the ministry that he had to help him stay strong in his faith. And that's just to show you little things, little things. Giving somebody a lift. It's so great, God's so gracious every now and then to let you see that yes, there is fruit from these little things that you do. I tell you what, I've got so much more to talk about today. But the main thing that we're going to be talking about today is even whenever it doesn't really seem to make sense, even when you might not feel like it, I encourage you, you go ahead and you do what God wants you to do and good things are going to come out of it. And so uh, 
I just tell you that. And next week, we're going to be talking about how you can do this. We're going to be talking about drawing near to him, which is the main thing that we need to do. But today, even though I just want to remind you that even though things may not be making sense right now, God has a plan. Whenever he told uh, Peter to march and to launch out into the deep, he had a plan for Peter. And uh, it didn't make any sense. What it, said, it didn't seem to make any sense at all to Peter, but it's exactly what he should do. And because he did what he should do, he had the very presence of God revealed to him through Jesus Christ. So that the end, he's horrified in whose presence he is in. And he says, depart from me, O Lord, for I am a sinful man. And then the Lord didn't let it stop there, did he? He said, we're going to take the skills that you develop catching, she- catching uh, fish, and from now on, you're going to be catching people.